Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I fully realize that an awful lot of people will probably find our first reading for today offensive. We hear an account of the marauding Israelites conquering the Amalekites and utterly destroying them, mowing them down with the edge of the sword. In fact, that's the last line we hear before the reader says, the word of the Lord. Well, we now at the beginning of the 21st century, we've seen the awful excesses of the last century with its blitzkrieging wars genocides and massacres. In fact, the beginning of of this century, we saw September 11th. We become, rightly enough, protective of the rights of underdogs and the oppressed. We become, appropriately enough, wary of the self-justifying rationales of military conquerors. So, what do we do with a text like this one. And to be fair, this is by no means an isolated text in the Bible. In fact, go through the book of Joshua sometime, and you'll see this kind of thing over and again. God often giving the command to put the ban on cities. That means to kill everyone in them, including women, children, and animals. Okay, what do we do with these disturbing texts? Well, first of all, we have to realize the story of ancient Israel, even while remaining the story of one people among many, is also the story of God's dealing with his people. We're meant to see the events that mark the life of Israel as iconic of God's relationship to the human race. Therefore, we should read them not simply in a straightforwardly historical way, but we should read these texts in a spiritual and symbolic way. One more clue. As Christians, we read them in light of Christ. Remember in the book of Revelation, we find this great image of the Lamb standing as though slain. The crucified Christ is the one who opens up the seals to the book of history. Christ is the way we properly interpret reality and history. In light of those two principles, can I suggest that we follow the interpretive strategy of the great Egyptian church father, Origen of Alexandria? You know, by the way, Origen, I think, is is the best of the biblical commentators in the ancient church. People often say to me, where do you get that interpretation? I just heard you preach, and it seems like something really new and interesting. And I'll say, well, that's from the early 3rd century, (laughs) because often I will crib from Origen. Well, 
Origen was very concerned with our question, and he read these texts in a very provocative, spiritual way. He says this, In the Bible, the Israelites stand for what is good and right in us and in our communities. Israel stands for the grace and the purpose of God. Therefore, all of enemies, all the enemies of Israel, Egyptians, Jebusites, Hivites, Philistines, Assyrians, Babylonians, Greeks, Romans, and yes, Amalekites, stand symbolically for all those forces that are opposed to God. In light of this little move, we should not be surprised, Origen says, that the Bible is a book of battles. And it is. From beginning to end, the Bible is a book of battles, of struggle, because life is a struggle between these two great forces. Just when Israel, that is to say, mercy, compassion, peace, forgiveness, holds sway, it's opposed by Amalek, that is to say, by hatred, violence, self-absorption, resentment. Friends, you can see it on the grand global scene. You can see it in our cities and neighborhoods. And you can feel it in your own heart. There's a struggle going on between Israel and Amalek. What must we do? Now here's how Origen reads the biblical message. Even something as dire as putting the ban on a city. We must, in the spiritual warfare, fight to the finish. We must fight to the end. We must not compromise or take prisoners or settle for a conditional surrender. During the Civil War, some said that the U.S. in U.S. Grant stood for unconditional surrender. That's what Grant demanded of his enemy. During World War II, Roosevelt and Churchill agreed that they would, even at great cost, settle for nothing less than unconditional surrender on the part of the Axis. What did Grant, Roosevelt, and Churchill know? They knew, listen, that compromising with their enemies would result down the pike in much greater suffering. Yes, they could have fought a sort of mitigated war. They could have fought to some degree. They could have let the enemy off the hook. But they knew that down the line, that would lead to far greater suffering. And so it goes with evil. I mean with moral and spiritual evil. To compromise with it, to make excuses for it, to knock it out for the most part will not suffice. Let me use a couple of comparisons. Would you feel relieved if your doctor said in regard to a cancer in your system, well, we got 95% of it. 
Would that give you comfort? Well, no. I mean, we need to knock that cancer out completely. 95% is not going to do it. We need to put the ban on that cancer. Would you be satisfied if your spouse said to you, oh, oh, I'm, I'm faithful to you for the most part. <laughs> Would that satisfy you? Would that calm you down? No, no. Within a marriage, infidelity has to be eradicated. You can't compromise with that. You can't make excuses with it. Would a priest be righteous if he were to say, oh, oh, sure, I'm celibate, except when I'm on vacation? (laughs) Would that convince you you're dealing with a priest who's really got it together? No. Certain things that are simply opposed to God's will have to be eliminated from one's life. To play with them is to invite trouble down the line. So, read the Amalekites here. Not so much as an ancient people whom Israel struggled. They were that. There is an historical ground here. But read the Amalekites now more spiritually and symbolically as all that's opposed to God's intentions. They've got to be fought. Yes, to the end. Now, notice a beautiful symbolic detail, too, in the story. How does Israel fight the sacred battle? Well, at the heart of the effort is the prayer of Moses. We hear that Moses keeps his arms aloft, invoking the divine assistance. As long as his arms are held up, the battle goes well. If his arms fall down, the battle goes poorly. The idea is prayer. Prayer is essential in the spiritual struggle. I've told you before about Billy Graham's practice over the years. Before embarking on a crusade, he would send a team of prayers in one year in advance, knowing full well that he would be opposed in his message. He'd be opposed in his efforts. And so people prayed continually for success. Think of one of the essential steps in the AA process or any of the 12-step programs, turning one's life over to a higher power. You will not be successful in your struggle against alcohol unless you turn your life over to a higher authority, unless you pray. You will not be successful battling addictions unless you're connected to God. Now, what makes prayer possible? In the symbolism of the story, Moses' arms are supported by Aaron and Hur, two of his aides. They literally hold up his arms. Basic point, Christians, we're never saved alone. We never engage in the spiritual struggle alone. At least we shouldn't. The church prays, but... It requires all kinds of people to support it in prayer. I mean through moral support, financial support, institutional support. Are there convents, monasteries, parishes all over this city, all over this country, whose prayer is made possible by all sorts of assistance? Yeah, that's Aaron and her holding up the arms of Moses who prays for the success of the struggle. 
Very often in parishes, elderly people, homebound people, pray for the success of the parish. Every parish is a kind of battleground, a place where the struggle goes on. What makes it possible? Prayer and those who support the prayer of the parish. Finally, there are the direct fighters. Evil will thrive unless there are people in the church who are crafty enough, courageous enough, energetic enough, sufficiently trained to confront it. You know, I'm a great advocate, as you know, of nonviolence, but nonviolence is not passivity. Nonviolence is a way of struggling. That's why these military comparisons are helpful. You do not send an army into the field that's not trained. You do not send an army into the field that doesn't know the tactics and strategies of the enemy. You do not send an army into the field made up of cowardly soldiers. Mm -mm. There's got to be people willing and able to fight. And they require a physical, emotional, strategic, and intellectual training if they are to be successful. You know a most important interpretive key, and I'll close with this. It says at the end of this account, of this ancient battle between two ancient peoples, it says, Yahweh will battle Amalek down through the ages. Well, I mean, come on, there are no Amalekites left. I suppose their descendants are around, but there's no nation of, of, of Amalek. We're not literally fighting this, this geopolitical power. You see now how Origen's reading makes sense. Yahweh's battle is with Amalek down through the centuries. That means all the expressions of hatred, violence, fear, injustice. And yes, that is the church's ongoing struggle. And so, Christians, be happy warriors and fight the good fight. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. Cardinal George says, It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 43 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries willing to help you during times of loss. Call 708-449-6100 for assistance. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.